Hello everyone and welcome to Witch Hassle. I am your host Morgan Spurlock and I'm very excited today to bring you a, another installment in the Altered State series of interviews with people who are practitioners focusing on one of the big classical planets, one of the seven big ones, uh, you know, which have of course come up in other interviews before, but you know, these are interviews that are focusing basically on that relationship on that planet, on that practice to the exclusion of other things. And today I'll be talking to Venus, that's a fun Freudian slip, I'll be talking to Gabriella Herstick about her practice with Venus, but is there a difference? Interesting stuff. Uh, Gabriella is the author of a number of books, including Inner Witch, Bewitching the Elements, and Embody Your Magic, and most recently, Sacred Sex, The Magic and Path of the Divine Erotic. Very fun, interesting chat that we had. So excited to bring it to you today, as is often the case with these long interviews. There is about an hour of it here on the episode, and if you want to hear the full thing, go over to patreon.com slash witchhassle, where you can get the full version of this episode, you can get the full version of a bunch of other episodes, other bonus content, and support the show if you like. Before we get to the interview, a couple things I want to talk about because I thought they were of interest to me, and I figured they might be of interest to you as well. One of them is an essay I came across that I thought was really exciting. So I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes if you want to check it out. It is Oksana Timofeeva's What Lenin Teaches Us About Witchcraft. So talking about the relationship between witchcraft and Vladimir Lenin, the comrade, questions of revolution, and a little snippet of it that I'm going to bring to you now just to sort of give you a sense of where it's coming from, uh, or at least why I'm excited about it is as follows. A person who becomes a magician has learned that something is fundamentally wrong. The world is unjust and this order of things can, in fact, be changed miraculously. A magician challenges the order of things dictated by God and nature. If the essential injustice of this reality, the domination of the rich over the poor, the strong over the weak, the living over the dead is a law, she wants to transgress this law and impose her own will in its place. So really interesting essay, so I'll put a link to that in the show notes. In the show notes you will also find a link of course to Gabriella Herstick's book and her website and her social media. Uh, you'll also find a link to some mutual aid groups uh, supporting trans people. And is that basically everything that I wanted to bring up before the interview? There will also be a link to the Spotify playlist for the planet Venus, which has mostly a lot of disco on it, which is fun. Disco, I recently learned reading an essay, a different essay, not the Leiden one, was much more revolutionary than I had realized because Prior to the advent of disco, one of the ways that police in certain jurisdictions would enforce compulsory heterosexuality would be to essentially criminalize dancing in public with a same-sex partner, which was fairly easy to monitor because the cultural moray in most bars was that you dance with a single partner. Like, you know, you dance with one other person. But with disco, the move then became that it's a bunch of people dancing sort of as a group on the big light-up floor. So suddenly there was an expansion of safety in defiance of these laws that came hand-in-hand hand with the disco revolution. You know, you could dance with the person you wanted to in a way that was now camouflaged and difficult to disaggregate from a just general community of getting down, which I think is a beautiful reimagining of disco, for me at least, as someone whose primary, at least, introduction to that art form was uh, Pure Disco Volumes 1 and 2, which were a pair of, of disco compilation CDs that they sold on TV when I was a kid, which, as compilations, probably still hold up. If you don't just love disco for the music, for the joy of it, take it as a form of, of liberatory practice as well. Oh, also, interesting development here in New York City. The Trader Joe's wine store was shut down suddenly and unexpectedly, leading to a lot of consternation and confusion here in Gotham, and it has since come out that apparently the employees of that store were on the verge of unionizing, and that is presumably why Trader Joe's shut it down, taking two-buck chuck away from the great people of New York City so that it could enforce domination over its laborers. So I don't know if there's any sort of retaliatory action or solidarity action. 
Actually, late breaking news, the former employees of that Trader Joe's are now circulating a petition to get Trader Joe's to reopen the store. I'll have a link to that in the show notes. Please do sign it. Solidarity. Forever. And now back to the episode. So here's my conversation with Gabriella Hersick. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And just a huge fan of her framing of Venus as not only a goddess of sexuality and love, but of self-love and, to borrow her phrase, erotic independence. So, Venus. Yes. It's been around forever, but how did you start with it? It's a great question. So I personally refer to Venus as she. That's just kind of as somebody who identifies as a woman and like worships the goddess. Like those, that's just the the terminology that you'll hear me use when it comes to talking about my relationship with her, um, with Venus. I it's really interesting. I have been like consciously devoted to Venus as like my matron goddess or one of the goddesses I have very like yeah, that de- dedicated relationship to probably for a little bit over six years now. And when I kind of think of like how that started, I really don't like there's no clear boundary or distinction of like when I re- like really recognize that I was devoted to her. I'm sure I wrote it down somewhere in my many grimoires, but the way that I kind of first started being aware of her energy as more than just like you know like I feel like a lot of us have like oh roses and romance and like that kind of like are aware of like you know hallmark sexual energy whatever when I started kind of recognizing or was became aware of Venus as an archetype or deity it was when I was very very new on my witch journey I was like probably 12 years old and my journey with witchcraft started alongside my practice worshiping the divine feminine so for me like at that point when I was a quote-unquote baby witch or whatever I was really like trying to find who like my matron goddess was I was also like practicing Wicca then and there's kind of this emphasis on having like a matron goddess and a patron god like these kind of two deities that you like very intimately work with and are devoted to so at the time I would like write letters to like goddess before I go to sleep and like put them under my pillow and like ask for ask for messages in my dreams about like who the goddess I was working with who who it was um and I remember I had a dream and Aphrodite came to me and at this point I was like not I was freaked out like I forgot about this like I shoved it in the back of my like energetic closet put it with all the skeletons like I was just like I hadn't had my period yet I hadn't like been I wasn't interested in sexuality like I was still very much a child so like being confronted with this like goddess of sex I was just like not ready um and it wasn't until I was like almost graduating college about six years ago where I kind of started recognizing this pull towards exploring the erotic in my witchcraft and That really was through glamour and through adornment and through the tarot and like I had a fashion blog at that time and started writing like blog posts about outfits inspired by different tarot cards and I began to see this connection between like my body and the way I adorn myself and my magic and eventually um, I think that one of my like friends was working with Venus and I just kind of like I, I it's like it's so weird because I couldn't tell you like how it happened. It just feel like all of a sudden I realized that like I was meant to be devoted to her. And it really kind of solidified probably like around six, six and a half years ago. And um, I took this like set of images for a collaboration on the on the same fashion blog with my sister. And we were like at this beach in San Diego. And I remember like using that photo shoot as like a devotional kind of ritual to Venus and like really feeling her energy. And I think in a lot of ways, like that kind of outward expression and embodiment of my connection to her was really the beginning. And then I just like started working with her a lot more, honoring her, veering her, researching her mythos more, like just like opening myself up to the current of the goddess of love, because like that is kind of like at that's who I'm devoted to and I'm devoted to her in like many faces and Venus is one of them and then I learned that I was a Libra rising and a lot of it made sense I was like oh my god this is like this is like actually 
what I'm meant to be doing. This is like part of my path. And she has been very special to me. She's hanging out behind me, as you can see. So, oh yeah, it's incredible. Um, yeah, like I wish people could see those because they're the like, <laughs> especially like the juxtaposition because you've got this. It looks like Botticelli or sort of that general kind of vibe of Venus. And then if you just look to the right side of the wall, a bunch of like S&M stuff yeah. is kind of hanging up, like a bunch of tools to the trade. So very exciting, like juxtaposition. I feel like we should talk <laughs> about that. But I am curious because you uh, you talked about glamour for a second there. And I think that's something that, you know, like when people talk about Venus, I think there's a tendency to think of Venus as like archetypal, right? Like mm -hmm. Venus is a thing you are mm -hmm. as opposed to a thing that you actively do. World, which I think glamour kind of bridges that gap a little bit right like the, do you feel like yeah. the self-decoration or the acts of sort of glamorizing the self really help you sort of project Venus out I love this question this is such a beautiful question answer in short is yes absolutely I feel like Venus is a goddess of beauty she's a goddess of aesthetic like the way that I see her the way she's communicated herself to me is like she loves to be seen and adored and revered and like, you know, yeah, she was like born out of the sea foam and cosmic cum naked, but then she's also draped with these like beautiful like garments and fabrics. And, you know, like I always, I always say that magic transforms us from the inside out mm. and glamour transforms us from the outside in. And when you veil yourself with intention, it's so powerful because most of us have to get and, you know, have to get ready every day, have to put clothing on every day. We're not nudists. So I really do think that this kind of transformation through adornment and it takes, you know, like to have a kind of understanding of your aesthetic and like what makes you feel good does take self-inquiry. And it takes this kind of like I releasing the idea that spending time with adornment or beauty or glamour is like selfish or like shallow you know like Venus is definitely a goddess of like the divine uh, divine femininity and a lot of those kind of modes of expression are definitely kind of like vilified and looked down upon in society and I think that reclamation of seeing your body as something beautiful that you got to show off in whatever way feels resonant for you and like drape yourself in things that make you feel beautiful is really really powerful and that's always been like that that self-expression and that self-knowledge is always something that's been very like important for me in my magical practice and just in my life and you know adornment and getting ready and like making myself feel beautiful and like a goddess of love and like dwelling in that goddess energy is one of the ways that I I yeah like embody the Venusian current and like also honor her and people notice I mean I live in LA and there's like definitely like a lot of people who dress weird here but people like if you have kind of like a authentic expression that is resonant with you people like are really like even if unconsciously like very just turned on and like very like notice it in a good way and I, I think that kind of like web of love and lust that you can weave just by moving through that through the world like tap into that can be really really beautiful and powerful and expansive when you're sort of developing this kind of concept of like because i love that idea of like venusian magic as a way of changing the self by actually starting at the outside yeah. and letting that filter down right sort of like rain sort of going into the soil to make something grow it's beautiful and when you're doing something like that when you're approaching that is it almost is it sort of, this might be like a false distinction, right? But is it like, mostly I am going to be this kind of way and people will naturally respond to that in certain ways? Or is it in doing this, I am actually creating sort of like a reactive field. It's not just me. I am creating the situations and the scenarios of me being adored. Like I am actively being adored as opposed to yeah. being a potential object for adoration. If that I think sense. it's kind of both like I definitely feel like a lot like I do think that Venus is like a very magnetized that magnetizing energy for Scottish like she is very like intense and people notice that and it's like I think it's I think it's both it's like one thing like you are changing your own kind of vibration for lack of a better term by consciously like adorning yourself as a vessel or priestess or priest or devotee of Venus expression of Venus and then changing that kind of energy that you have like it's naturally going to influence 
other people, but also because it's influencing how you move through the world, even if on a subconscious level, like, you know, every there, everything has a, what is it? I am forgetting this fucking whatever. One of Einstein's laws. Yeah. Everything has a reaction, right? Like everything you do has an equal and opposite reaction. So you changing yourself is going to influence the way people are seen. And also like one of the things that I've come to kind of realize is that like, yeah, Venus loves to be adored. And like, there's definitely this kind of stigma on attention in our society. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously seeking validation from outside sources is never going to be fulfilling. Like one of the reasons I love honoring the goddess is because I'm able to find that like divine validation within myself by like, you know, as above, I honor the goddess as below, like I become her and she honors me by me allowing her to be like allowing myself to be a vessel for her so like you know obviously you don't want to like do it for the validation but also like attention's not necessarily bad so you know like getting catcalled fucking sucks and all that shit sucks and like obviously like you have to be careful especially if you're a woman like I fucking get it but I do think like allowing yourself to be an object of like desire or adoration and whatever kind of way feels right and aligned and resonant for you is a really kind of beautiful subversive expression of like honoring venus by like through embodiment so i and i do think that like when you're comfortable with yourself and when you feel really confident and like powerful or beautiful or venusian like because it changes kind of like your vibe as you move through the world like yeah people are going to be reacting to that Mm. And in terms of like the like Venusian embodiment, right? Is that a thing that like, is that just sort of like you do things in your day and you are kind of chasing the feeling, like you kind of know it when you're hitting it or are there like more sort of like concrete daily practices of like, I don't know, doing like the Homeric hymn or I don't know, lighting a candle at dawn to speak to the the goddess for a second and have the check-in or something like that? Yeah. Oh my God. Beautiful question. Once again, I think it's definitely both. I, the way that I see it is I have like a non-negotiable daily practice every fucking day. And you know, one of the first things I do in that, well, the first thing I do is I light all my devotional candles and then like I call her myself to the goddess and like say an affirmation. And then I do my prayers to my goddesses. So obviously like, you know, I'm never going to suggest to anybody that you have to do anything, but I do think that at least the way that I see it, those daily rituals, those daily practices we have, whether it's saying a hymn or an invocation, evocation, invocation you wrote or whatever, like prayer, all of those daily practices that you do repeatedly attune you to that frequency and that current. And then from there, it's so much easier to kind of feel that energy within your life because you have this commitment or this dedication to doing this thing regularly, lighting a devotional candle, saying a prayer, moving your body a certain way, anointing yourself, whatever it is, you're building up that consistency and you are showing, you know, you're showing up to this relationship with consistency. And because of that, I feel like you're able to tap into Venusian energy, tap into Venus outside of those practices more easily because you've already kind of like gotten that must energetic muscle memory of like what it feels like to be in that state with her so like one of the things that I like like to say is that you know like you're not just a witch when you're doing your spells for the new moon or you're not just a goddess devotee when you're you know doing your spell once a month that is the doorway but it's really a lens in which you see your life like some of my most profound experiences with goddess have been like in my car driving or like walking around my neighborhood and just like feeling that kind of overwhelming numinousness like in the mundane like in like the day-to-day and I really think that like when you're able to pull through that sacredness when you're able to connect to that power outside of just ritual it's like that's when the real fucking magic happens because you're able to take that take the like the spiritual magical practice outside of like the sacred space you've created and weave it into your whole life and like that to me is when you really become like a votary for the goddess or a priestess or like really like in deep communion with her mm, yeah what is not sacred where is not the ritual yeah um, everything is sacred that's and i think that you know like especially with goddesses of love and lust or like 
goddesses that have to do with you know sexuality or any deity like there is this kind of binary that a lot of us put that like oh this is sacred this is not sacred this is sacred this is profane but like at least to me um one of the things with goddess and energy is like and goddess religion in general is there's a sense of imminence where she isn't it's not transcendent it's not outside of you it's not in the clouds you don't have to pray to be there like the goddess is in everything and these practices that we do are there to help us like remember that and feel more deeply into it but when you remember that it's like yeah like even the fucking trash on the side of the road is like part of goddess because we're all an expression of her and it also just makes us more compassionate empathic humans which we could really all use right now i think so you don't like have like this is venus and this is not as like a distinct separation it's sort of there's a, a venusian way to approach essentially anything that you might be doing I mean, sometimes I slip out of that because I'm human. My goal in life is to turn my fucking life into a giant ritual for the goddess of love and lust. And Venus is one of those faces. I also work with goddesses like Isis and Babylon. And like, I really do kind of see this like ancient current of these like different goddesses as different expressions of the same energy. I call myself like, so there's like what, like soft polytheism and hard polytheism. I call myself like, a half chub polytheist where I'm like they're all the goddesses are all different like and gods are all different expressions of this force that's outside of myself and like within that they are all distinct but like I, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle for me like you know it can be really difficult to like see some horrible shit as Venusian I would probably feel like that for me would be more like Babylon like that Babylon as the goddess of non-duality kind of helps me experience more of like the subversive shadowy sides of sacred but like I feel like all of the goddesses I work with and my life is really in this kind of like current of Venus of this like love and yeah I mean obviously I'm human so you know when I'm like doing things I don't want to do or like doing chores it can be hard to remember that everything is you know everything is of goddess but that's why it's a practice right that's why I come back to it every day to to remind myself and it gets easier and easier as I do so that's really interesting because I you know when you mentioned the, the the daily candle lighting to the different figures like how big of a roster are we talking about and like in terms of like them being distinct is it really like a question of like this sort of thing is definitely Venus this sort of thing is definitely Babylon or is it like you're kind of it gets kind of fuzzy in between them and it's more like a like the kind of I'm picturing when you like are writing a word doc or something and you're changing the font color and you can get to the little circle that just has all the colors yeah. as oh, you yeah, move it yeah. around. I've been doing a lot of copy editing so this is I think fresher, <laughs> fresher in my mind than it would be in most people's anyway but the goddesses where who are who are your access deities yeah for this current so the three goddesses that I'm devoted to I've when I first started, I really was like, I can only have like one matron goddess. And then I'd been working with these goddesses for a long time. And I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to devote myself to three different goddesses. And I can't explain how like liberating myself from that kind of like Wiccan dogma of just having to like be dedicated to one goddess, like the amount of expansion and depth I've had in my devotional practice has been it's it's changed my heart it's changed me really deeply so i'm devoted to venus i'm devoted to babylon and i'm devoted to isis those are the three goddesses that i work with every day i call upon them for different things though i do feel like they complement each other because i have like they kind of represent this different aspects of myself and kind of fit into like the different this triplicity i've been working with of like heaven earth and underworld with earth being the body and like the idea of uniting my heavenly and underworld self through the body and through embodiment and like they each of them kind of you know, like babylon to me is very much of the underworld isis is very much heavenly and then venus is very body very much like in flesh so they feel honestly very distinct to me their energies show up very differently but they do also kind of have this like harmony like they really do complement one another and there is a lot of overlap and yeah I'm definitely like a very eclectic pagan I don't specifically work within like one pantheon like I will work with different gods and goddesses but for like the most part I am primarily somebody who works with 
with the divine feminine and I don't really like I don't really work with a lot of other deities and like the Roman pantheon I'm not a Thelemite I don't really work with Babylon in the Thelemic context necessarily in a set I am like I have studied like the Netaru and like the Egyptian kind of cosmology but I'm only like really getting more deep like deeper into that um but I do work with like some of her other like partners and her twin sister Nephthys but they honestly feel very distinct to me these goddesses but they also feel like they feel like different vibrations of this kind of same of the same current like I also work with the goddess Inanna I've been working a lot with her and like I feel like she this this Inanna is a Sumerian goddess of love and war her mythos is one of the oldest the oldest myth in, in that we have that's written down and I really do feel like she's the kind of like ancestress of this current so I feel like yeah it like for me those all these kind of goddesses are beautiful facets and individuations of the goddess of love and sex and like that even that kind of concept is something that's a little bit like not tangible enough for me which is why I work with these like very specific deities this is fascinating because like the idea of like because I you know these figures they're floating around people are talking about them but the fact that you like are sort of working with Babylon outside of flame right you're working with Venus potentially outside of like the Roman, the, the mm-hmm. standard Roman sort of thing. Like, like you're not doing, it sounds like you're not, you know, correct me, but it sounds like you're not trying to do any kind of like historical reconstructionist kind of thing. You're not mm-hmm. working out of a temple. Like how did you develop these relationships without like the standard received structures of how you're supposed to quote unquote do this? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think a big through line with a lot of these goddesses is honestly like sex magic and working with the divine feminine as a form of self-devotion and self-exploration. I feel like all these goddesses kind of kept showing up to me until I took notice. And once I did, I was like, wow, like this, I I find myself, I find a part of myself in each of the goddesses that I work with. I honestly like, you know, I love social media. I think it's incredibly helpful. I think it can be really, really powerful to guide us in our practices and at the same time I do think that there's a lot of pressure to conform within these ideas that like there's a certain way to do things personally just in my life in general um I'm very very Aquarius I have a, my sun Venus and Mars all in Aquarius and I just like at a young age realized that I had to do things my own way that I wasn't going to be able to like I was either gonna have to like pretend and like try to fit in or I was gonna have to say fuck it and do stuff my own way And that kind of idea of like doing things in a way that feels resonant to me has been a guiding force in all my practices. So I really was working with Venus. Like I was, I've been devoted to Venus the longest and then Babylon kept showing up to me. And as I got deeper in my exploration of kink, all my kink and BDSM and like sex work stuff is dedicated to Babylon. So like, as I got deeper in that, I really kind of felt her energy there and in April of 2019 2018 or 2019 I think it was 2019 I dedicated all of Aries season to Babylon and it's like really kind of honoring the like sacred subversion and it was just so transformative and she really really came back to me at the very big like in the beginning of 2020 and at the beginning of the pandemic I started working more intentionally with Isis and did like very long form devotional with her. A lot of the ways that I work with these goddesses, specifically like even Venus, but to really kind of build a relationship with the divine feminine or face of a a deity, I'll do like two elite like devotionals. So like very intentional, like rituals that expand or that take place at least like some of them two weeks, most of them for a month. I was doing a long form devotional with Isis for like 90 days where it's like I come back to them over and over again each day. Like they're kind of, they become the center of my practice as a way to like build a connection. Um, You know, people like, I've heard people on the internet who are like, you're, you know, goddesses are not your friends. You don't have a relationship with them. I'm like, then what do I have? Like, how am I, you know, like, what do you do when you want to become friends with somebody? Or like, what do you do with a friend? Like, you show them that you care about them by taking time. You you have a connection with them. You like, you know, it's like a two-way street. You don't just go to a friend and constantly ask for stuff. There has to be this kind of, you know, like care for one another and support for one another. And like you carve out time to show them that you like care about them and you like hold space and like that kind of 
reciprocity is really important to me in my relationships with deities. Like I don't just come to Venus because I ask her for shit. You know what I mean? Like that feels to me very disrespectful. And I mm. also do feel like there's kind of this like love between us, um, between my goddesses. So I kind of started with like these devotional practices and like lots of research, lots of kind of like working within like the magical systems I work with. So I work within like the hermetic Kabbalistic tradition. I work a lot with the Kabbalistic tree of life. Um, So like, you know, I work with tarot and like different like astrological happenings, whether that's like a new moon or a zodiacal season or whatever. And then I'll work kind of with like with sex magic and with like my eroticism and use that as kind of a pathway to these goddesses. So, and then at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like very, very deep in, in these kind of, in this devotion. And it fucking helped me so much because 2020 was truly the dark times. Um, not that we're necessarily out of it, but you know, it's definitely, at least I have vaccines and antibodies in me now but yeah it kind of just un- unfolded naturally and then I did f- more formal dedications to to the goddess and I think it was when I kind of like when these three face I like sorry I'm like looking over like at my altar with like all my images of my goddess which is why I keep kind of like turning my head I really feel like when I made that formal declaration that like I, I gave myself permission to be devoted to these different faces of the divine feminine that I was like I really was able to tap into that kind of energy and like awaken this like deep longing and deep desire for union with the divine feminine, like through the goddess of love and lust specifically. Um, But yeah, I definitely feel kind of weird about it sometimes because I'm like, oh, I don't really like work with like the Roman pantheon. And like, I don't even really, you know, like work with that calendar. It's definitely like very eclectic, but it has really like, it's worked for me and it's allowed me to really make my devotion to the goddess like the central pillar of my life which is like really what I care about more than you know twitter cred or whatever yeah cloud will you know follow you into the next life or anything I assume (laughs) what do I know but like this like this idea of like using all three of them to get to this more central kind of this more atavistic or primal version of what we're talking about like do you get visions of that sometimes like do you like do you feel like these are just like different shadows to kind of get to the shape or do you actually kind of sometimes get the main connection do you feel like you're starting to get to know whatever this more central thing is i feel like each goddess leads me to the goddess of love and lust in a different way um like so like one of the kind of you know, like there's, uh, cause I also kind of believe that like at the end of the day, we're all praying to the same thing. And mm. there's this idea that, you know, like this quote or whatever, it's like, we're all holding on to different part of the elephant thinking we have the same elephant when it comes to, like the deities. And I, I kind of feel that way about, about the goddess. Like it's not, you know, it's a lot of my experiences, kind of like my experiences with gnosis or visionary experiences are less visual and more physical, more about like the sensations I feel, more about the energy I experience. And I really think that the temple of the goddess is my heart. So like, I think that all of these goddesses, the prayer that I do, the practices I do, like they lead me to a deeper sense of communion with like that part of myself. And like, for me, like that is where the goddess resides. But I definitely feel like I have such a deeper kind of understanding and relationship with the goddess having these kind of different facets of her expression right it's like all like different faces of one jewel and I I feel like that yeah like I definitely feel like all of these expressions of the divine feminine Babylon Venus Aset or Isis kind of like give me glimpses of her in different ways and it does sometimes yeah, it definitely feels like outside of that connection, though it is just, you know, it's like describing things like this. It's definitely like that's why I'm a writer so I can like backspace and think and then write and edit. So it is it is kind of hard to express the numinosity or like, you know, grandness of of that feeling. But I do think that like it, and it's like more than just that. It's like helped me like live a life so much more deeply in service to the divine feminine and to the goddess and like even just like the 
projects I've been able to write or be a part of since like really solidifying my devotion has been like incredible. So yes, the answer is the answer in short is yes. <laughs> That's really so like the, something I really like about that is I, I went into this interview thinking sort of like a lot of times when people talk about magic, especially I think the people are like, the goddess isn't your friend or, you know, like this is a transactional thing. If you're not getting mm -hmm. the thing you want out of it, don't, you know, cut that off or whatever, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, there's something to be said for this logic and like, I don't want to like bash anybody, but this idea that like when you, when you talk about like, what do I get out of the Venusian practice? It's the projects that I do, right? It's accessing a part of yourself. Yeah. And then you take that forward. That's a really interesting idea. And I kind of want to like follow that a little bit down the line of like sex magic. Cause I think it's sort of the same thing where like, I think when people talk about sex magic, like I'm used to like hearing it in terms of like the chaos magic, like Peter J. Carroll kind of like, you know, you, you use an orgasm as a battery, like you plug yeah. something into the orgasm and that yeah. gets you the job or yeah. the car or the... Yeah other things people want. I have no idea what people want. Or like, you know, the kind of Aleister Crowley, like we're doing sex magic and it's not about the sex, I promise. It's about something else. And like when people do magic, there was like the, the this sense of like, oh, it's about intention, which is a very cerebral idea, right? Like yeah. I've written out what I want. But this idea of like desire as being the crux of the magic, mm -hmm. like how does the sex magic sort of connect you deeper into you as mm. opposed to, you know, seeking things out yeah. there first off i would say that like no goddess is not always your friend it's like your mom is not always going to be your friend or your mom like i feel the same way about goddess but i also feel like if your deities or goddess is not in like rich enriching your life and making it more especially goddess energy like it's so full and beautiful and creative and artistic like i i'm like you sh it should be something that's making you enjoy your life more deeply. So I really love this question about sex magic. I think that, you know, I, I just like, I've been talking about this a lot. The word manifesting really is starting to rub has been for a while, but it's really rubbing me the wrong way. Cause there's this kind of like, it feels like magic is like you said, like this word transactional comes up is coming up a lot too. And it's like, it's great. Obviously like you need what you need and like you should get your basic needs met and you can have whatever you want. And that's great. But like sex mat, like using your using your orgasms to get what you want and manifest is like the first step. The the way that I see it is our sexual energy is what sustains the universe, right? We have this creative power that can both create children or transform into artistic projects or this like deepening lust for life. And when we work with our sexuality in a spiritual context, when we decide to make it a sacred because of just that intention then we're able to claim our power more fully we're able to meet ourselves more fully and we're able to like know what we desire and like you know i obviously like i can't speak for everybody and i know there's plenty of people who like are not really don't really care about like knowing themselves sexually but like as a magician as somebody who's just like horny all the time like that just makes sense for me to see my sexuality as something that can deepen my connection to myself and the universe. You know, there's definitely this kind of like love-hate relationship with pleasure that I think a lot of us have, especially in like Western society where like capitalism is so huge and we're taught that like, or even Christianity where there's like this like element of like struggle and pain and that like we have to really go against things and that feeling pleasure is like unimportant or that experiencing pleasure is like secondary. And I think that like allowing that to be a part of your spirituality and allowing yourself to feel good and doing so like in the name of something bigger than yourself, like as a way to connect to the divine or the limitless light or source or goddess is really powerful. And again, like knowing your desires and feeding those desires takes self-inquiry. You have to know what you're into. You have to know like what's feeling good right now. And for me, like Venus is a goddess of sex. She's a goddess of love, but she's a goddess of sexual love. And like what really transformed my relationship to her specifically was recognizing that I could channel my own sexuality or I could use my orgasms or like my desires with kink and bdsm to like connect to venus and that that wasn't something that had to just be separate from my magical practice but that could be something that became a tool of devotion both to her 
and through honoring her, honoring myself. So like, yeah, you can absolutely use your orgasms to feed your magic, but you can also use your sexuality and sex magic to know yourself more sexually, to feel what pleasure feels like in your body, to understand what it means to raise energy and transform it in your body. Like, I feel like that kind of like manifestation is like the the first part of it. And then it's like, how can I work with this energy to become closer to goddess? How can I use this energy to remember that I am a vessel for her? How can I use this to allow myself to be present in this moment? Like it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be a whole crazy sex magic ritual for it to be powerful. And I also think that like one of the things that I not necessarily struggle with, but one of the things that keep coming up against, especially as I get deeper in the Western mysteries and like hermetic Kabbalah and all of this stuff and study more of, you know, thelemic magic is like, it's so cerebral and there's so much shit to fucking memorize. And there's so many, like, I tried to do like the rosy cross ritual, which is like this create, like this ritual where you're putting the, the, like the Rosicrucian cross in like each corner and you have to go in all these directions. And I was like, I, I'm not even thinking about what the energy feels like in my body. I'm not even connected to my body right now. I'm just worried about what fucking corner to walk in. And that is really like, for me, kind of the opposite of goddess energy, which again is imminence. Like to me, the embodiment part, the feeling into the body, the knowing the energy of the body, being able to transform it and raise it like is so powerful and sex and BDSM too. Like you have to be present to really experience it at its fullest capacity and allowing your body to become that instrument or the wand for that like power is so like transformative and it gets you into altered states of consciousness which is like where you want to be on when you're doing magic so it's really powerful but yeah Crowley being like hey, it doesn't matter about the sex also you can fucking shut up because like he was yeah you say you worship Babylon but you treat the women in your life like shit so I'm not really taking everything you say seriously you know <laughs> yeah this is okay so there's so many points to go from what you just said like that was great like because like especially that like tying in capitalism there a little bit that idea of like because i feel like capitalism sells us pleasure but it's always defined as a thing you don't have that you can get from outside uh, as opposed to yeah. a thing that you would find in sort of yourself but it seems like i mean i get the sense that a lot of people kind of would you say that a, that a central problem that working with Venus might solve is actually getting to know what you want? Yes. She's a goddess of desire. And like, I think a lot of us are like conditioned, like you said, like we're sold things like, oh, like having this new perfume will make me feel this way or like this will bring me pleasure or like even like that pleasure and your desires are dependent on like outside partners. I see that very often. And like, to me, one of again, like one of the ways that I really began a devotional practice with Venus relationship, whatever wording you want to use was like seeing my connection to my body and figuring out what I desired and then giving it to myself like that. That was like a part like that could be magical, like, you know, and I think a lot of us too, like the first step is like allowing yourself to feel awkward. And then the second step is like self-investigation and self-inquiry and like researching and touching yourself and doing all those things to, like see what it is you desire and then even then I think a lot of us have this like idea that like we have to go outside of ourselves for those things and I've talked about this before and I talk about it in sacred sex and like when I was first starting to work with Venus and explore kink like it was one of like a partner I had at the time was a big catalyst for that and then when we stopped you know seeing each other like I felt really lost because I really loved exploring these things and I, I it was really hard and I realized like there were all these things I wanted to do and these experiences I want to had and like at that point like I'd, I'd kind of just moved to LA I was like definitely very lonely and I was like I have to figure out a way to like give myself the love I desire to give myself like the pleasure I want others to give me and like I really embarked on this journey of like becoming my own lover and that I mean it's definitely expanded past that but it was like a very intentional year of doing that and Venus being kind of this like central figure like the goddess that was guiding me through it and it was so powerful and like figuring out the ways to like give myself what I wanted was like was liberating because then you don't have to like settle for fucking shitty partners you don't have to settle for like you know like 
things that you don't want because you are in this kind of mentality of like not being able to get it like having those having that clarity around your desires and allowing that so- like sexual sovereignty and like expression to be important to you is so powerful and like you know like venus is a goddess where she's had partners but she's an unwed goddess like she is a goddess who over and over again like is comes back to herself and i feel like that kind of like expression and that independence and that claiming of our own sexuality outside of our relationship to others is can be extremely powerful and extremely healing and transformative this brings my mind a little bit to like you've been talking you've mentioned a couple times the idea of like subversion right Mm -hmm. of like sexuality as being this thing that can be sort of joyfully transgressive maybe and i i am curious about how that works in with something like this because of course the way the way it kind of sounds is like you know when you're doing things with like venus and you're becoming your own lover right Mm -hmm. you are very kind of the the world of of prescription and rules and other people telling you to be ashamed of stuff that's all someplace else you pushed it all out you're in the imminence so how do you still kind of work with those boundaries even if it's just to jump through them or over them in that kind of space do you like kind of call them in a little bit or is it just like they're still you know no matter how much venus work you do you're still someone who lives in this horrifying puritanical country and so like there's always going to be a bit of that about yeah i feel like okay so let's see if i answer your question correctly or like let's see if i answer the question so i think part of it is recognizing that there's always going to be shame around something and that there's always going to be these things that you like feel like you shouldn't be doing or that you feel wrong for doing like i do think that like over time the shame dissipates but like i don't think that you can ever completely I don't necessarily know if you can ever get rid of it, but I think that like, you know, subverting can mean a lot of things. It can mean working with like with kink or BDSM outside of this, like very heteronormative, heteronormative quote unquote, like missionary sex, really anything outside of that can be kinky. So, you know, that's like the very obvious way to subvert that, but also subversion of just like societal norms. Like, like I'm, I've never had a boyfriend, like I've dated and I've like, you know, like I'm definitely like a romantic person and I'm not asexual or aromantic by any means, but like for me, like there hasn't been somebody who it just worked with. And like that, like remaining independent in myself is like a way that I subvert that expectation or like that, you know, attitude belief that society tells us that we're only, we only matter if we're in relationship and that it's actually really embarrassing and bad if you're single or like, you know, shame is such a huge one. Like any, I feel like all of us, if we grew up in the Western world, have shame around our sexuality or sexual expression. Like I didn't have my first kiss till I was 18 and like, didn't have quote unquote, like sex till I was 21. And like, I felt really embarrassed about that for a long time and really prudish. And now I feel like embarrassed sometimes for being a slut. And it's like, it's always going to be there and it's changing. And I think that recognizing those things that we kind of feel shame for recognizing those things that are charged and consciously like working with that, either sacrificing or offering the shame to a goddess like Venus or Babylon specifically. I work a lot with her with giving her my shame and transmuting it. Or like in our magical practice, allowing ourselves to explore what it feels like to do these things that feel transgressive and then offering that energy of breaking this personal taboo to like the goddess. Like that is such a powerful act of magic an act of self-devotion and self like seduction and i you know it's like think you have to do it bit by bit and again you have to know what these things are for yourself like they're going to be dependent on your culture they're going to be dependent on how you grew up and your religion and just like your personal makeup using your birth chart as a tool can be very powerful and kind of dissecting what's going on there but i do think that when we have these kind of charged points whether it's something that we feel embarrassed about or ashamed of like that's all just like fodder it's all things that we can use in like the alchemical furnace and we can use sex magic to kind of like release that and like focus on it and allow like the fiery energy of our of our pleasure of sexuality to kind of like you know start breaking it down and purifying it and transmuting it and then practicing erotic alchemy and instead of you know like releasing those binaries and then 
you know, implementing more supportive beliefs instead. But it, it definitely, it definitely takes a while. But like, you know, enlightenment's not even promised in this life. So like, there's no rush, you know? Yeah, that, okay, so this idea of offering shame to Babylon, right? Sounds cool as hell. Sounds super metal. Could you walk through like the steps of that a little bit? Like, let's yeah. let's say this is someone's, this is the first time we've even heard even something like that in their lives. Like, how do I give this feeling to something? Yeah. So I do, I do recommend the book Existential Kink for kind of this practice. It was definitely adopted from that. Okay. Um, so I work with Babylon. You don't have to work with Babylon. You could honestly just sacrifice it to the universe, the dark goddess, the goddess of the shadows, your higher self. You could just sacrifice it to alchemical fire, right? Whatever's, whatever's in your practice. I come at everything from the perspective of the goddess. So that's like what, how I, I go about it in my own magical practice, but I would center in my meditation, you know, ground, pull my energy back into myself, really just find some expansion, allow myself to just kind of be in the state of awareness and, you know, breathe a lot of breath work. And then I would start thinking about the thing that I'm ashamed of and I would really focus on it and I would feel in my body and I would feel where it is and I would breathe into it and I just like allow it to grow. And then I'll go to Babylon. You can again go to whoever or whatever makes sense in your practice. And, you know, I have this kind of like interior temple that I'll go to or like this like very specific place in the desert and I'll visualize her and I'll I'll speak to her like, you know, like I'm I'm offering you this shame like I don't want to hold it anymore and I'll feel it like in my body and then I'll almost like visualize myself extracting it and either like throwing it into a fire before her or pouring it into her chalice as like blood and just like allowing this thing to like just pour through her and like feeling how good it feels. One of the practices in existential kink is like also like recognizing that we actually really like those kind of masochistic feelings of shame and that like kind of even subverting that idea that like oh yeah I have shame and like I like it and I shouldn't like it and I feel shame for that and then like playing with this idea of like transgression and like really just like focusing on like the fact that a lot of the negative feelings we have we kind of secretly like like and desire I'm also like famously a masochist so I definitely recognize how that manifests for me emotionally and like these feelings of pain but I'll like literally just feel the energy of shame like leaving my body and like honestly pouring it into a fire would be really really powerful so just visualizing this like feeding into the fire seeing the fire transform maybe it turns like blue and then like even just like visualizing yourself or actually like shaking and like dancing and like making weird noise and getting it out sometimes I'll visualize myself like dancing around a fire or something sometimes I'll like do breath work sometimes I'll finish the visualization and then like literally like shake out my body and like move but it's really about this kind of like calling forth the energy and then releasing it and like especially when I pour it into like Babylon's cup like I see it as an offering to her. I see it as something that I don't have to hold on to anymore and kind of like something that she can take for me and like a way like because Babylon 2 is a goddess of ego destruction and like ego death. So I do think those like things that I carry with me that I feel very chargedly about or very that feel very charged like when I give them to her, it's like this offering of self and like identity right because a lot of times we do identify with the things we feel shame for so uh, wow yeah that's great that's do you like it's it's interesting because like I've, I've i've heard the idea the connection between babylon and ego death before but like i've never thought about it in the context of like especially because like these you know this idea of like the visual journey has to be felt too and if you were going to like give babylon the whole of the ego and like let that go forever would you just be body at that point or is there something sort of deeper that is not quite body this is a very kind of vague and abstract thing i'm asking you so if you don't have like yeah. an off-the-cuff idea for this that's fine because I, I feel like i've gone a little off off ranch here so i would say that you know i kind of had this idea at first when i began working with babylon that it's like one ego death and you're done unfortunately our egos are i feel like well first off ego is not a bad thing like we need our ego to survive we need a sense of 
self to survive or we would not be able to live in a society where we're individuals, you know, like it's, it's not a bad thing. It's like anything out of balance can become, you know, negative, very devil card. So I feel like there's this idea that like, you like, you know, in like thelemic tradition or religion or whatever, you like cross the abyss, you cross this kind of part of the tree of life that represents, you know, the self towards this kind of like the supernal divine realm. And that's when you face your demons as represented by this kind of demon Karanzan and you have to overcome that. And then there's this ego death that happens and you're, you know, united with Babylon. I've never formally done anything like that because again, I'm not practicing in the Thelemic tradition necessarily. I'm kind of like Thelemic adjacent, Um, but I definitely have had experiences of ego death with Babylon. And as far as I can tell, like, it's not just something that happens once. It happens over and over and over again. You know, it's like that kind of meme or idea thing like when you're meditating and you're like damn I'm so good at this I'm getting closer to enlightenment and it's like bitch you're back at square one so you know I think that it's less about I don't think we'll ever just be body like I think that there will be consciousness but I think that the consciousness that's left after the deep purification of Babylon is like more of like a cosmic consciousness versus like a self-consciousness like I kind of so I have my my Aquarius Sun Venus Mars are all in the fifth house and I think about a lot about like the axis of Aquarius and Leo is like the collective and the self mm. um and it's like we need you need both you can never just have one like you can't be a part of the collective if there's no self to be a part of the collective and then also like you can't you know there's it could get very trippy. With all that being said, I have yet to meet anybody who's egoless in this life and just body but I also have not met many like you know monks and stuff so I'm sure that exists out there and the people who are very devout and aesthetic I don't know the word how to pronounce that word but I think the goal is to just renounce our grip as much as possible on like the kind of ideas of what it means to be who we are like I just feel like at least that way that I see Babylon is that like I do all of these things because she just brings me back to unconditional love and lust of opening of vulnerability of being honest and of like not judging myself for the desires that I, I do have. Hi, everybody. This is just a little note to say that this is where the abridged episode abridging starts. And if you want to hear the full episode where we talk about self-lust and and the magical nature of Los Angeles and contemporary Venusian archetypal type stuff, pop on over to patreon.com slash witchhassle uh, and there'll be a link in the show notes where you can hear the full version. Or I guess by the time you're hearing it now, there is a link. And with that, back to the interview. Thank you so much for, for, for doing this. Before we close stuff out, is there any last thing you want to like tell people or leave people with any sort of little golden nuggets of wisdom or calls to action? Ooh, you don't need anything to worship the goddess. You don't need any tools. All you need is your breath and her temple is at your heart. And anytime you need her energy, just take a few breaths and go to your heart and talk to her and, nothing is too mundane for her. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's been a lot of like scarab, or I guess they're like fig eater beetles, but they like look like green scarabs and they fly around everywhere and like hummingbirds, like any kind of like thing that brings you, that allows you to see beauty in life can be a gateway to the goddess. Like don't gatekeep her for yourself. Allow her to feed into everything. And the more you can find her in the stuff that is weird or gross like taking a shit or like taking your dog out or like driving to work or doing your taxes like allowing that to be an offering to her is only going to make your life more magical and your connection to her more empowering incredible thank you so much yay thank you for having me thank you so much to gabrielle herstick for that wonderful chat about the great planet venus if you want to learn more about her or by her new book, Sacred Sex, The Magic and Path of the Divine Erotic. 
check out the links in the show notes to her website and to where you can buy the book. Also, after the interview, I reached out to Gabriella because I wanted to clarify, because she used the phrase alchemical fire, and I thought it was very cool, but I wanted to sort of be sure I knew what she meant by that phrase. Because I sort of had a, like a sense of like, here's what that means to me, but I want to know what it meant to her. So I reached out to her, and this was her response, which I think is great. I'm going to read it to you just verbatim. And to me, alchemical fire is the erotic potencies of the universe manifested as the divine spark, the expression of creation, the consecrating and initiatic power of the universe to dissolve, purify, and rebuild. Which is a great little... That's a great... I love that. That's great. This has been Witch Hassle. Thank you so much for listening. Our theme music was performed by Sebastian Befestam and recorded by Edward Lee. Good luck with the work ahead. <laughs>